Um, all right, guys, welcome to today's episode of Manga Takes, where we're going to go over some predictions that we all have. Everybody gave five predictions for both Jujutsu Kaisen and One Piece, and every prediction either has a 10, 30, 50, 70, or 90% chance of happening. And we're going to try to guess each other's predictions based on the probabilities. It all flows smoothly once we get into it. How are you guys feeling? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, I'm just trying to get into your guys's mind frames, predict how you're predicting. Yeah, coming up with the theories was hard, so I'm just gonna treat it like we're gonna rank it. I don't know what the exact numbers. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I had I had a lot of fun coming up with like the ten percent theories because those are just like the wild, far fetched ones. But the ninety percent's were a little more boring, so it was, it was an interesting exercise. Cool. So let's start with Jujutsu Kaisen. Um, I'll give my five predictions first, and then we'll go from most to least likely and sort of discuss along the way. So my five predictions are, number one, Angel kills Takaba. Number two, Maki dies by the end of series. Number three, Noritoshi Kamo is going to form the plan to defeat Kenjaku. Four, Sukuna defeats Gojo when Gojo is unsealed. And then five, Kenjaku defeats Choso plus Yuki. So I'm going to let you go first on what do you think is the most likely the 90% chance and why? Yeah, so I think the 90% chance is that Sukuna defeats Gojo. And I think for a couple of reasons. One, like they're both pitted as two of the strongest characters or the two strongest characters in the series. And I think there could be some pretty good narrative of Gojo, you know, fighting Sukuna at some point and then being evenly matched, maybe even a little bit stronger, but having to sacrifice himself for the greater good in some ways, like maybe to save someone else or to prevent something that Sukuna is doing. I think it'll kind of like complete good way to kill off Gojo, the sensei type character in like an understandable way and, you know, pass the torch as he kind of wants to do anyways. What about you, Kenta? Yeah, I, I was... Um... Stuck between Sukuna defeating Gojo and Kenjaku defeating Choso and Yuki. Um, I just don't see. I just don't see Kenjaku losing to anyone, and I think with that matchup, uh, I think Yuki's probably gonna do some long con, uh, where she sets something up for another future character to to deliver on a Kenjaku defeat, and Choso is just gonna be gonna be buried probably some spiritual timber for. For Yuji, you know, to come back in Shonen style. Um, I think Sukuna uh, defeating Gojo is also very likely. It was my 70% pick just for the next part. But um, I could I could see like a very indirect defeat of Gojo at like not the hands of Sukuna. Um, in some like, you know, uh, another obscure way like the, um, like the current prison that he's in. Yeah, so I... I agree with Kenta. I think Kenjaku defeating Choso plus Yuki is my 90% prediction. Um, the reason why I think is twofold. One is I feel there's so many death flags for Choso and Yuki um, just being bodyguards of Tengen right now. And then two, Tengen is definitely going to be a prime target for Kenjaku. And the current narrative of the Culling Games where all the main protagonists is stuck inside the barriers, I think is prime time for Kenjaku attacking Tengen. I definitely see Kenjaku defeating Tengen 
or like taking him over as part of the narrative to further unravel the Jujutsu world, sort of because Tenken is such a pillar. Fair enough. I'm, I can't argue too much with that because I, I had that as my 70% prediction for you. I guess moving on to the next one. Uh, I think to your point, they're specifically guarding Tengen right now. And it could be a good way to like hype up Kenjaku a little bit further to um, by uh, defeating a special grade. And Choso has been around for some time now. I think he can go. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you guys both got it, but my 70% is Sukuna defeats Gojo. Very hyped up since the beginning, the two of them, the two strongest characters. And I think if they fight, Sukuna definitely will defeat Gojo because it makes no narrative sense for Gojo to be the one to defeat Sukuna. It'll definitely be his students. The reason why I think it's not a 90% chance is I'm not convinced Gojo is going to be released from the prison realm. Like, you think, I think he might be... be stuck there like till end of series or something like that? Yeah, I think that could be a huge red herring. And I still think Gojo is a little too strong to be released anytime soon. Wait, well, I remember when we did our power rankings, you thought Gojo beats 20 fingers Sukuna, right? What, if I'm remembering correctly, what, what has like changed in your evaluation since? Oh, no, I still think he's stronger, but it'll be an unfortunate situation where Sukuna gets the upper hand. Sort of like Gojo could have wiped the disaster spirits, but because of the situation that he was in, he got sealed in the prison realm. I think no matter what, that's going to happen to Gojo. Like he's going to have the curse of being the strongest, but always be at a disadvantageous situation. And as a result, he can't use the full force of his strength without, you know, turning against his humanity. And that's going to be like his dilemma and his character mm. arc of realizing being strong isn't enough. Yeah, that could tie well with his theory of wanting to pass things to the next gen because right now that kind of conflicts with his whole uh wanting to do things by himself because everyone else gets in his way that could be like a good way to go full circle like he sacrifices himself to let the the team pull off something but all right i think those two were i think we all agreed that those two are clearly the most likely to happen so right. let's spice it up what do you guys think is the 50 percent chance Kent, i'm gonna let you go first yeah i think well, it's most likely next is Angel killing Takaba. So even though, you know, you all know from my power ranking, I think Takaba is one of the strongest characters, JJK. From a, from a narrative sense, um, I think Takaba has like this pretty like insane, like whimsical power of being able to actualize anything he finds funny. I think it's kind of a good uh, comparison or a counterpart to like Angel's ability to like nullify any curse technique um so i feel like that matchup kind of makes sense given their colony um and is like a great way to introduce how like brutal angel can be um and compared to the two other uh predictions i thought it i, I could envision it a lot more especially in the short term in the in the calling games arc well, what about you Sad? my 50 percent prediction out of your predictions was Maki dies by end of series. And I think just for a couple of reasons. One, I think her character arc is like pretty much based on kind of like revenge and being an Avenger type. So I think that once that pur purpose is fulfilled or, you know, once she feels like that purpose is no longer true, um, I don't know if the author would necessarily reinvigorate her with something else. Because I think she could be killed off to increase like 
emotional tension towards the end of the series, but being a character that's been so close to the main cast. So I think it's a toss up, just 50%, but I can see it happening. Yeah, I have. Uh, uh, go, ahead. go ahead, actually, go ahead. All right, no, I was just going to say, I think Angel killing Takawa is the 50%, and it has a pretty high chance likelihood of happening. Like Kenta mentioned, just from a narrative point of view, it's just so hyped to bring Angel in by killing some guy that we thought was unkillable. And two, they're in the exact same colony right now. And finally, I actually think it will help uh, develop Megumi's character a little bit because Yuji saw Nanami die right in front of him. And even though Takaba and uh, Megumi don't nearly have the same relationship, I do think seeing someone that he fought together with die right in front of him could give him a little bit of character growth. So those, those are the primary. I think on the character growth part, um, I could see that happening, or I could see that being delayed until his sister gets introduced. You know, so I'm kind of curious how, how like the author is gonna set that like character growth up when his sister comes up. You know, you know what I mean? Like, it's I, I I'm I'm not doubt, or I'm not. Like, I'm sure it's gonna be somewhat tragic, no matter yeah, how. It Oh. I also have this theory that I think Sukumi is going to be like, or at least have an evil host. So it's not going to be like the goody two shoes be on their team, but rather it's going to be more conflict. And then Megumi's going to have to make some tough choices. Yeah. 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 I like that. I like that. Yeah. Tough choices for my boy, as always. <clears throat> All right. So, what do you guys think is a 30% chance of happening between the last two? So for me, it was what your 50 actually was, uh, Angel kills Takaba. I think, honestly, I kind of landed on this one in a process of elimination. Um, in that, I thought it was somewhat in the middle to begin with. So by this point, I was down to the 10 and 30 left. And I, we'll get to the 10, but I thought Maki dying was a little higher probability. Maybe I just forgot a little bit about the details of them being in the same colony and all that. Um, but it just felt like maybe more semi-random to me. So I attributed it a lower probability than just like a toss-up just because it, it could be a lot more matchups in general. But yeah, 30%. What about you, Kenta? Yeah, it was also a process of elimination, but I also won't lie. It's also kind of me hoping Maki doesn't die. Um, but I think Kamo, like, you know, sharing the same name as previous Kenjaku and also like with the most recent panels or most recent chapters we got of them talking as um, Kenjaku took over the clan. I feel like it would be a little bit too on the nose narratively if, you know, Kamo is like the mastermind to, to defeat Kenjaku. And I feel like there are so many other uh, smarter players right now um, and strong, smarter and stronger players um, in, in the universe right now. Um, are there though? Cause Everyone's pretty much gone in the calling games. Like Yuki is the only one I can think of, and she's yeah. stuck with Tengen. Yeah, but I mean, I think Yuki, and then like, yeah, I think Sukuna, I think, is still the main kind of like counterparty to Kenjaku. Like, we still don't know what's going on with him and Uraume. Um, and I, I find it very hard to believe that Sukuna is just kind of like going to hang out forever while, you know, Kenjaku like carries out his like master plan until the very, very end. Um, so, you know, I feel like Kamo might be the, might be like the surface level plan and then it's gonna be, you know, like twists on twists with Yuki and 
uh, Sukuna and whatever Tengen trying to like play under under their sheets. Yeah. So what I had was Maki dying by end of series is the thirty percent chance. Um, specifically, I think when Mai told her to destroy everything, that obviously meant the whole Zedin clan. But I do think that foreshadows she's going to die as well and end the Zenin name because Megumi's last name is Fujiguro. She doesn't use, or he doesn't use Zenin. And that will sort of wrap up the Zenin clan story arc perfectly. And two is, um, she, dude, she killed a lot of people. Like it was a pure slaughter. Not exactly a good guy anymore in my opinion. So yeah, she, she's been going off. Yeah, yeah, like. You know, she killed her mom, probably a bunch of defenseless other people that we didn't see, hunted down everybody. I think, you know, I think she deserves some um, comeuppance, so to speak. It, it does feel like she'll, to your point, like she'll become a little irre- irredeemable at some point. Like she's going so deep down that path that she's going down that I could see a very classic scene of her sacrificing herself in some way and being like, oh, it's okay. Like I, I've, it's the only way to atone type of thing. It's like Darth Vader-esque. Exactly. I think her her being heaven-bound uh, or like whatever, physically gifted, uh, I think that's like a dual sword. Like I think one, it could mean that like, you know, she's going to be such a high target for like, you know, Kenjaku and um, Kenjaku and Tengen, like where being physically or heaven-bound is um, kind of like a big part of their plans that, you know, she gets killed pretty quickly or like she's like the new like part of the new future of Jujutsu Kaisen universe, right? Where nobody has cursed energy. Um, I you know I also buy into the karma part a little bit just because Jujutsu Kaisen a lot of it is about like Buddhism and karma and shit, like as we got from like the Tengen uh, text dumps. So I, I I could totally see her dying, but um, I just think there are so many possibilities. Um, Compared to, uh, uh, sorry, so many possibilities of her dying and surviving um, compared to like the combo plant, which is a little bit more specific. Um, yeah. Wait, but didn't you say the combo plant has a higher chance than Maki dying? Uh, ye- oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, I think. The combo plan um, is a little bit more on the nose, but um, wait, I, I might be getting confused. Hold on. Just go without me. You're for playing yourself. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let I me, let me talk a bit about combo, actually. So I think this has a very small percentage chance of happening just because he's so insignificant compared to Kenjaku. Yeah, that was my thinking overall. But I, I gave that a 10 for you, too. I think there's definitely some foreshadowing. Like, for example, the fact that different Kyoto students are going to different colonies and like coordinating responses seemed like a very Kamo-esque move. Um, the fact that he was the first to go back to his clan and sort of like realize what's going on makes me think he's a step ahead of all the other students when it comes to just overall thinking. And then finally, like Kenta said, you know, the fact that Kenjaku possesses former body, the fact that Kenjaku pretty much told him he, he was insignificant leads me to believe he's having a bit of a redemption arc and is going to come on the come up, especially now in the current fight as well, that he's sort of getting bodied. I think he's up for a little bit of um, confidence 
so to speak. Fair enough. He had, like the individual abilities, though, like aside from his like game plan, like big brain. Aspect. No, I thought I don't like, but I think he could still be. He could still come up with a plan in that case, right? Like he would just be a small piece of it, possibly. Yeah. Also, I definitely think there's a um, process of elimination here, and that I really don't think anybody else in the Cohen games currently can come up with a plan to defeat Kenjaku. And even though they're winning their individual fights, they're no closer to solving their goal of ending the Cohen games itself. What about like Utah or someone? I don't, Yuna seems like I'm going to do everything alone type of guy. Like he's a lone wolf mm. from his monologues. Like he mm. wants to do it all by himself, which I don't blame him. But getting everyone together, definitely team combo. Wait, all right. sorry. Okay. Question. Do you think this is going to be a successful plan to defeat Kenjaku or just a plan to defeat Kenjaku? <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be a little bit in between. Like you mentioned, like it'll hurt Kenjaku, maybe end the calling games. But not like kill Kenjaku off himself. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So it's not really defeat. It's more just like stop. Have, have a blow. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good way to put it. Gotcha. All right. Saad, do you want to go next? <clears throat> yeah. Cool. So my predictions for Jujutsu Kaisen, and obviously in no specific order, are Yuji will start developing Sukuna's curse technique. Megumi will turn evil. Nobara will be key in defeating Kenjaku. Gojo will die by end of series. And Kenjaku and Tengen are working together. So, Walt, you want to kick it off? What's your 90% guess? I mean, I think it's Gojo dying by end of series. I don't think it's quite high as 90%, but I think it's the most likely out of all of these. Yeah, I I agree. I think... The sensei character is too vulnerable. I think we're gonna see like a cool revival sequence, and then like a, you know, I leave the rest to you. Truly sequence. Um, yeah, I just don't see. I just don't see the most OP character, like you know, one of the most OP characters, um, making it to to the end. Especially given like the the Jujutsu Kaisen like solutions that we're seeing now of like you know, moving beyond uh, curse violence. So, yeah, I think the most likely out of, the, out of here. Yep, you guys hit it on the nose. Um, I think it is pretty much around that percentage. Honestly, maybe even higher, like to your point of the, the, the uh, sensei characters dying. I think in some capacity, you'll, you'll have to die, whether that's in like in a fight or, I don't know, like his power runs out or something at the end of the series and he just dies, something like that. But I feel like he basically has to die for his um, theory to come true. But what if it's uh, Kakashi-esque, like he loses his six eyes for some reason? I see, and then just becomes like a weakened, like All Might or something like that, like a weakened version of himself. Yeah, I think he exactly like Kakashi. Like he becomes a new principal <laughs> of the Tokyo school, like a much weaker version of himself. Hmm. Uh, I feel so wrong though, because he's like the <laughs> strongest character. Because like Kakashi, it makes a little more sense still, because he was never like the goat, right? So I, I could see that transition. But for Gojo, it just doesn't seem fitting for him to be anything but either like jacked in there or just gone. But I mean, it's possible. That's why it's not 100%. Like, yeah. 
Um, yeah, I think Gojo has good principles and morals, but a big part of his teaching is the fact that he's like the best. You know what I mean? Whereas Kakashi could train on just his virtue alone or his like teaching virtue alone. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. Um, what do you guys think I put for 70? I mean, we have the same answer, which is Yuji will start developing Sakuna's curse technique. The fact that Gojo himself said it um, confirms it. I'm not sure it's high as 70 still because we're so far in the story. There's been no sign at all of Yuji developing it. Yeah. And it's like the exact antithesis of his current, you know, fists <laughs> mantra. I also don't think Yuji would want to use Sakuna's curse technique because he hates Sakuna. So for all those reasons, I'm a little skeptical. Uh, but on the pro side, Gojo said it, and he needs a massive buff. <laughs> Wait, when did yeah. Gojo say it? Yeah, when did he say it? Actually, I, I had this at seventy. You guys got that right, but <laughs> I totally he said it in that. like the early chapters when he was training Yuji. He said from his limitless technique, uh, or sorry, not limitless from his success, he could tell that Yuji would soon develop Sukuna's curse technique. Oh, really? Specifically it, Sukuna's curse, or not just a curse technique, but Sukuna's? No, he said Jeez. Yuji doesn't have any, but he'll develop Sukuna's because of his six eyes. Damn, okay. Oh. All right. Well, there you go, folks. <laughs> That's why it's sitting at 70. But you're right. I <laughs> Wait, think it would make... Go ahead, Kenta. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. Is By curse technique, do you mean his domain expansion or just like... Oh, it's a good question. Right? I don't know about domain expansion, but like I'm talking about, you know, like cleave or dismantle, like okay. that, that stuff that he uses. But you're right. Mm. Well, I'll turn that. I feel like, first of all, those are super savage uh, curse techniques. And he's already kind of scarred from Sukuna having used it in his body, right? When he came through and killed a lot of things. So, but I think at the same time, that's going to be some good character conflict and growth that the author can write through pretty well. Like if, he had he's developing that technique and like maybe he has to use it but now there's that conflict of like damn do i want to use it um, like sanji with the raid suit like maybe he just has to for a bit um okay cool well uh kenta what do you think was my 50 percent guess yeah so i thought your 50 percent guess was kenjaku and tengen are actually working together. Um, and I kind of took this interpretation a little bit loosely, uh, but, you know, I don't think they like necessarily like scheme together, but I think they're like, you know, I think they might've already had like the same goal uh, in mind of like evolving, you know, like the cursed um, energy world of Japan. So like, you know, Tengen might be like kind of um sending in all these like cursed um uh, cursed sorcerers into the coin games like with aligned incentives as kenjaku um and thing and just kind of letting it happen so you know kind of going back to walter's prediction of like kenjaku defeating choso and yuki like i could see that uh being like tengen you know kind of being chill with it you know if that makes sense mm. got it so like not directly working together but having aligned interests and supporting each other yeah. in that sense somehow well thoughts i think a snowbar will be the key in defeating kenjaku with okay key is a little might be a little bit strong of a word but you'll have a massive role 
one, order of elimination. I think the other two have a much less likelihood of chance happening. But two, her ability deals with the soul specifically. And Kenjaku firmly believes that like the soul and the body are one. We saw her impact against Mahito. And given how Kenjaku can like jump around with his yet to be explained fully cursed technique, I think Nobara will have a key in killing Kenjaku's soul and like permanently exercising Kenjaku, so to speak. Nice, nice. Um, okay, cool. For the reveal, my 50% was actually Megumi will turn evil. And the, the reason I picked that was a couple of reasons. One, like, I think it, the relationships mirrored a little bit with Gojo and Gato. It's not a direct corollary or anything like that, but that was kind of like the OG three. And now we have the new three. So I feel like sometimes you can draw those parallels. It's like the Sanin to uh, Naruto's group. So in that case, Megumi would be Geto. And I think he also has a similarity in having a more unique philosophy than other folks in the series tend to have. Like he's always talking about how he just operates on his own principles. And that's been pressed upon quite a bit in the series. So I can see him, you know, for some reason, maybe not directly I don't know if evil is necessarily the right word, but like antagonistic, right? Based on his philosophy versus other people's philosophy. And Sukuna's interest in him also kind of makes me sus in that sense. Yeah, I think Sukuna's interest in, in him is probably the biggest flag. And also the fact that he has a sister in the, in the balance, I think is also a huge red flag. I was That was like my potential like 50 choice as well and I think it sets up you know obviously great like rivalry between between Yuta and Megumi um and we've seen him like start to get cold in this like calling games as well so yeah I agree I agree um I see you guys both had picked uh that one for your 30s yeah I think 50 is just too too high too high for all of megumi's um characteristics like turning evil is such a huge leap especially when it would involve aligning himself with sakuna in this case i i i just don't see it even though i know it's a popular theory yeah i i give it you're right i I don't think it necessarily has to be like there's in my mind there's the sakuna case and there's like the his own philosophy case which are a little disjoint but there's also some overlap there but you're right. I'm like, sure. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair guess. Um, it's my actual 30 was Nobara will be key in defeating Kenjaku. And, and while I think you touched on a couple of the points that I thought of as well, that the things which just gave me pause were first of all, she's just been sidelined for super long, which I was actually just reading this theory on Reddit recently. I don't remember the user, so I can't shout out, but they were saying like that could actually be key because. Kenjaku sort of has a handle on what's going on in the calling games and Nobara will be this X factor that he doesn't necessarily have his finger on because she's not there. But at the same time, like she just isn't there and I just don't know when the author will necessarily reintroduce her. Um, So that gave me a lot of pause too. It was debating between the 30 and 50 slot for me on this one. Interesting. I was... 
Yeah, that was my 10 because honestly, I have no idea what Gig is going to do with Nopara. Um, like, if, if she's truly just like recovering with like half her head missing, she's and like she can still fight. Like, there's no, I, I feel like there's no way Kinjaku doesn't have that on his radar. You know what I mean? Like, he knows that she was like a pretty good assist in the Mojito, uh, Mojito fight. Does he know? Um, because he wasn't there for the actual Mojito fight. He just came at the end. Hmm. I also think Kenjaku tends to look right. down on people that he thinks aren't worthy, like with Kamo and even with Yuda. You know, he's pretty much like, once I get Gojo, it's over. I got this in the bag. I could definitely see that coming to bite him as he overlooks some key players. I see. Uh, I still don't see how her. Wait, well, can you explain again how her curse technique is like a good match for Kenjaku? So it really depends on his yet to be revealed curse technique. But uh-huh. the ability to hurt the soul, I think, will actually hurt Kenjaku directly, given like he can hop around between bodies. And there's such a large emphasis on the body and the soul being the same from like Mahito, Kenjaku, Toto, all these characters. I think it'll be able to somehow kill him permanently rather than allow him to keep body hopping. Oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. It would be like a good way to reintegrate her to the story too, I think. Um, Comment for the final blow. <laughs> <Sorry. Yeah. laughs> oh, is it? I feel, I feel like that's too shonen for JJK, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it makes sense. It makes like, sense. I guess another way to look at it is, do you think um, Gege created Nobara with no plan on how he was going to use her? Because I think her curse technique is very specific. And like everyone in the main four, like they, I'm sure Gege has already thought very explicitly about their storylines. I think it would be cool if Nobara came out of nowhere as the unsuspecting member of the trio and just had a big role in defeating Kenjaku. Yeah, but you could also apply the same, like, you know, the soul and the body thing to, like, Yuta, right? And in, in trying to tame uh, Sukuna. Or, yeah, and also, like, Novara's, like, curse technique is, like, a pretty, um, like, a cliche sorcerer thing, right? Of, like, the, I uh, forgot how you say it in English, but, like, where you, like, put nails into, like, straw dolls mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. So I could see I could see Gage just kind of like trying to come up with a trio and just just throwing in a cliche one. And like, you know, Nobara like does mention it herself that her curse technique is pretty cliche. Um, I just don't see how Nobara, at least with her inventory of techniques, can touch Kenjaku. Unless she can do something like uh like resound with all the uh, cursed, uh, all the curses that Kenjaku had a contract with, hmm. like over the past, and like she can somehow like have this echo effect between all the fucking curses that Kenjaku contracted with and his soul. I don't know, spitballing right now, but uh, yeah, realistically, I think she's gonna come back during the calling games, uh, but I'm still. Yeah, 
I guess I'm an Obara hater. I don't think she's that <laughs> as strong. You could just, I hope for her she sake. Could just go to soccer route too, you know. Just end up doing that like nothing. <laughs> that would be a true shame, honestly. <laughs> yeah. He's a funny character for sure. Okay, cool. Well, Kenta, you you already mentioned your 10% guest with the Nobara one. Um, Walter, do you want to close off on that? What your I mean, is? yeah, Kenjaku and Tekken are working together. I haven't seen any evidence that they are working together. And two, given how Kenjaku is trying to overthrow a millennia of like stability, so to speak, in the Jujutsu world, I don't see why they would be working together. All of Tengen's actions so far have been to protect themselves from Kenjaku specifically. Like there's literally zero indication why I think they're working together. Finally, from a narrative point of view, it would be a little too much in my opinion if um, Kenjaku had Tengen as well, because now he has all the clans. You know, he's got Jujutsu headquarters. He's pretty much unopposable. I don't see any reason why they should be in the plan together or even want the same things. Yeah, I think I, I attributed this pretty low. Like, it's just a theory I kind of cooked up just due to a couple of things. Like, one, they've both been around for a crazy long period of time. So, to, to Kenta's point about them potentially having some overlapping interests, right, that, that they've schemed up over the course of, like, millennia, basically. And then another bit being, Tengen just seems a little sus to me. Like, there's nothing super concrete I can point to, but... So some of his behavior just feels a little like obfuscated or or like the motive feels a little obfuscated and I don't know so that's why I can see some form of collusion but uh, it, it's a low percent theory for me Wait, Kenta, if you had to give a numerical estimation on this what would it be? Like ignoring the preset ones oh, You're saying Kenjaku and Tengen? Yeah um, I definitely give it above five. I, yeah, I put it between like five or ten. But like, again, this is like them not explicitly working together, but like they just have the aligned incentives and Kinder and the Tengen's kind of just like fine with whatever Kenjaku's doing. Because, uh, kind of the way that I see Tengen, like, like Sa said, I kind of see him as a very like at least from a human moral perspective, very sus. Like now that he lost his vessel, he's kind of like this omnipotent, omnipresent thing with the cursed energy world of Japan, right? So I could see him like kind of like yielding to the powerful changes that Kenjaku is introducing um, and kind of like just recognizing who the power player is going to be and just going along with it. That's why I can see like the Choso Yuki betrayal happening because like yeah like like and i don't know if it's going to be like the straightforward like you know kenjaku takes over everything because i agree with you all like i think that would be just too much power in kenjaku's uh corner but i could see like you know tengen and kenjaku having uh like a contract to like update tengen's you know um like status or maintain his status as whatever like Realm, realm overseer of the cursed world. But I don't think he's just going to go away before the end of the series. Otherwise, I think Jujutsu Kaisen kind of ends. 
right. Well, you sound like you want to give this like a zero percent. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, one counter argument I have to all this is why did Tengen allow like everyone to meet with him if he was working with um, Kenjaku? He could have just denied them access to all the information that he provided and sort of like fucked everyone over. You're or talking about he, recently, like when they went into his uh, lair right now? Yeah, yeah, when they went into his lair right now. Well, I think I think I could pretty hmm. pretty like explain pretty easily by like you know thought, like unreliable narrator. He wants to like feed more powerful sorcerers into um into the calling games. I think the uh, the weaker one, the weak point with the latter is that uh, Yuki is not there. Um, but I think I think maybe Tengen and Yuki both know that they're both up to fuckery because as as you guys remember, like Yuki like does not fuck with Tengen at all, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, so like, I could see them both like being like, okay, I, we both know what you're trying to do kind of thing. Um, I don't know, it feels like too, just too, too many conspiracy theories. I'm, I I'm mean, thinking my boy at face value right here. Yeah, definitely some contrived, the more maybe contrived points I can think of here. One is like to, to hide the relationship even further, right? Like he's playing, it's like secret Hitler, right? Like you're gonna pretend to be a good guy and then <laughs> another one to the point of yuki being a hater like maybe to actually like draw him in right maybe he can do something about capturing them in there and weakening their forces yeah. she is special um, grade after all um wait so well, you're pretty confident that tengen is like on the side of at least uh the current like protagonist crew and not kenjaku or would you say he's neutral? no because i don't think their vision and Yuki's vision of the new world aligns with like Tenkin's conservative vision. But I definitely don't think Tenkin and Kenjaku are on the same page. It's like three different ideas for the future of the world. Like Tenkin wants to keep it as is, Kenjaku wants to evolve, and Yuki wants to create a world without cursed energy, so to speak. Mm. Mm, I mean, so, okay, for, I think. Tengen, or as I, I think Yuki's perspective is like out the window, right? Like that's for me, my opinion at zero. And I feel like he, there's a good chance that he's given up on his ideal of like maintaining the status quo, given like Gojo is in like um, out of the equation slash in Kenjaku's. And oh, like, so, oh, but that's why his entire um, plan is we need to get Gojo out and then Gojo defeats Kenjaku and everything is more or less the same afterwards, except maybe with pu the public having more information on uh, cursed spirits. Right, right, right. But like narratively, we all agree that Gojo is going to die, right? So I think Kenjaku is like kind of like hedging his bet right now of like, you know, a post-Gojo, like a po truly post-Gojo world. What can he do with Kenjaku? So but you're saying... Uh-huh. So you're saying Tengen is hedging his bets right now that if the team screws up, he's gonna like bow down to Kenjaku's vision? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it'll be a new contract. I that would be fascinating. It would be very unprecedented to see. I'd love to see that. Because like what would Tengen do once Gojo dies, right? Because like we both we all agree. Wait, do we all agree? Yeah, we all agree somewhat that Gojo is mean... probably gonna die. But in that case, he's just fucked, right? Because Kenjaku wants to merge humanity with Tengen. 
Like, why would Tengen be willing to sacrifice himself for Kenjaku's vision, which he doesn't even agree with? I haven't seen... That's where the parlay comes in. Like, he can, you know, he's feeding these, like, you know, kind of, like, outcast, very powerful outcasts, you know, like, arguably, like, coming in two, three, four after Gojo um, into the calling games. I, I don't know. This is, like... Dumbledore and Voldemort working together secretly. I just feel like Tengen is <laughs> a, a like he's trying to do what he thinks is best, even if a lot of the current cast disagrees. And right now they're working together on the same goal, which is free Dojo and any of this. Um oh, okay. and I'm I think Tengen plans on going down fighting. Because one, he doesn't want to die himself, given he's lived a thousand plus years. And seems like you know, he's enjoying the current status quo. And then two, he probably has like more tricks up his sleeve as well. I don't think he would have survived all this time as the pillar without any combat abilities at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, right. I don't, like I said, I think it's five to 10%. So I'm not gonna like try to defend <laughs> <laughs> it too hard. Cause I, yeah, I, I still think it's under 10%. But it's I still very possible. All right, my five predictions. Um, so my first one is Kenjaku finds a new host in Okotsuyuta. Um, pretty self-explanatory. Second one is Kenjaku created Yuji to tame Sukuna. Uh, third one is Kenjaku's goal is to turn everybody into cursed wombs. Fourth one is Mei Mei betrays the gang. Uh, by the gang, I mean like the protagonist. And the fifth one is Saori, Novara's childhood idol will be in the calling games. Um, so yeah, what do you guys think is a 90%? Looks like we're pretty aligned there. Yeah, looks like we're aligned in Kenjaku, or at least me and Walter are aligned. I guess I don't really know about you yet, but maybe you just spoiled it. <laughs> and uh, Kenjaku created Yuji to tame Sukuna. And I mean, I think the main reasons there being like, first of all, obviously it was confirmed that Kenjaku was uh, Yuji's mom and Ken Kenjaku is very calculated character. Yuji's displayed, you know, unnatural traits of being able to hold the king of curses. So he's special in some way. And with Kenjaku being around for so long, having had knowledge of Suguna and having this grand plan, it just seems very fitting that Yuji has a purpose for existing. I completely agree. Sweet. Yeah, that was also my 90 as well. Um, Wait, so do you think... Jokes... Let me ask you this, Genta. What do you think your 10% that this isn't the case is? Because I feel like this is more than a 90% chance. Like, I would say it's almost 100, given that Kenjaku is Yuji's mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, uh, you know, obviously, like, Kenjaku created Yuji. But I'm not sure that his original intention was to tame Sukuna. Um, I think otherwise, like, I think he would have made more effort into, like, you know, sending uh, Yuji to, like, um, like cursed, cursed event um, opportunities more actively. And, like, it, it really looked like, um, I think I saw in one of the panels of, like, Kenjaku saying, like, Oh, like, like, kind of being like surprised by Utah's like presence slash like progress with Sukuna, being like, oh, like, you know, uh, 
pretty impressive if I say so myself kind of thing. Um, so going back to like my original point, like I think his one of his original intents was to create like uh, uh, having gone physically gifted, um, like uh, what is it artificially slash um, intentionally. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know if, you know, like Sukuna and like Kenjaku have had uh, an arrangement as explicitly as creating a vessel for him. Um, so that's kind of like my 10% that Kenjaku created Yuji, uh, but not for that exact reason. Yeah. I think it's pretty much 100% guaranteed, but onward. Sounds good. So yeah, what do you guys think the 70 is? Well, you go ahead, Saad. So my 70 for you is May May betrays the gang. And a little bit of process of elimination and also a little bit of May May just being a little more morally gray of a character on the good guy side. Like seems like she's just driven by money, basically. So it seems like she could be swayed. Uh, if the money, if the check is there, you know, if the bag's there, but uh, mainly was a process of elimination once. I don't have like a strong theories for this, but I, I could see pretty good. I could see some narrative elements of the bad guy side getting like a pretty strong sorcerer with them, um, creating some conflict from there, some internal conflict in the system. Like we're starting to see some of the cracks with some of the the families are starting to fall apart. And then if the, you know, premier sorcerers are also switching up, it could be a good lead into the system being broken and more people recognizing that, you know, championing the whole, we need to break the system, create a new system. Bit. Gotcha, how about you all? I think it's Saori will be in the calling game. Good way to tie Nobara. I think there's a lot less than a 70% chance likelihood of happening. But in my opinion, it's the second most likely uh, event that is going to happen. And two, we also know that she already is in Tokyo from um, the flashback uh, in Shibuya. So she's like in the perfect location physically. I also don't think, okay, well, yeah, one more thing while we're at it. I also don't think Gege would just throw Sayori a few panels of her in there without planning on using her in the future. I feel yeah, like you kind of so... did that with Yuji's, that girl that liked Yuji, right? Unless she comes back again as well. So, okay. I actually read that the editor forced Gege to make that chapter. That's why it's oh, not really? in the anime or anything. It's because oh. the editor wanted like a chapter to humanize Yuji and the gang since they were just fighting, fighting, fighting. That, that's, that's, my, a that's, that's a fair criticism of the series. The fair criticism of the series as a whole. There's not enough like the characters just chilling and seshing, you know. It's like hmm, very baseball. Interesting, very interesting. <laughs> what? The baseball chapter. That was but, that even a chapter? That was like four or five pages, I think. Really? No, it was definitely a chapter, no? Like, or at least most of a chapter. Oh. I guess it just feels like there's relatively a lot less in this manga. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. For example, like One Piece, the characters are like chilling all the time, right? Yeah, playing around. Yeah, there's no like Davey Bat games. <laughs> That's interesting though. I didn't know that the editor bit 
Yeah, they, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I can't even imagine the series having anything like a Davy back game. <laughs> That's pretty. That almost just felt like straight anime filler in manga form. Yeah. That's funny. Though. I liked it. Cool. So yeah, my uh, seventy is uh, Saori. Um, so kind of for the reasons. Uh, Wall mentioned uh, in the flash forward, we see that she's in uh, Tokyo. Um, and I think for Nobara's flashback, she got way too many pages just to kind of be like, don't never mention again. It's a good way to tie in uh, Nobara's like return. Um, uh, like I said before, I don't know how much further she'll get beyond that. Um, and I also uh, saw like on one of the wikis that uh, the reason Saori went back to Tokyo, um, or the reason she left Tokyo, or, yeah, the reason she either returned or left to Tokyo was uh, because her mom was like into like organic shit and spirituality. So like a lot of strong foreshadowing that you know she does have some cursed energy, um, and yeah, I think it's pretty um, the opportune time uh, or opportune character. I mean, uh, for Nobara to return. I think that's a good segue to my 50% because that was my 50%. And I agree with the points you guys brought up. But I think the things which gave me pause were, first of all, Nobara just hasn't even been active in quite a while. So like, there's already the jump of, is she going to get active in this arc? And then is she going to get additional storyline added to her as part of being active? And the way I was thinking is we kind of already have the person who's close to a character arc with Megumi's sister. So it'd be like a little bit rehashing that with Saori as well. Um, but I mean, it, it could certainly be a good way to bring in Nobara. So it just ended up middle of the pack for me. Like it didn't seem completely unlikely, but I wasn't as confident as the other guesses. Yeah, my guess for 50% is Kenjaku's goal is to turn everybody into cursed wounds. Um, also, mostly process solution. I think there's a lot less than 50% chance of this happening. And I think, hmm, I guess I'm skeptical because we already have seen cursed wounds and Kenjaku explicitly wants to evolve beyond the current understanding of Jujutsu. So that's why I think it's a lot less likely to happen than it is likely. But Hmm. But I also think it's the most likely out of the remaining choices. Gotcha, gotcha. So yeah, my 50% was uh, Mei Mei betraying the gang. Um, and the only reason I didn't have it higher is because in um, Kenjaku's uh, basically vision of Japan, there isn't like a lot of money to be I mean, I guess there's a lot of money to be made in shorting the economy, but I think it's a little bit too destructive even for uh, Mamie's taste by going overseas. Um, but the fact that she has like, you know, one of the most important roles right now in the calling games, which is like serving as um, the messenger between the colonies, I think sets up for a pretty good betrayal. We already saw her doing like a mini betrayal um, post Shibuya games, but just kind of like leaving um, midway. Um, so I think it's a, it sets up a good way for um, adding additional stress um, to the calling games because for for now like everything seems to be 
going along pretty pretty charmingly. Okay, uh, let me let me defend my girl Mayday here for a moment. I feel like people are wildly overestimating her chance of betraying the protagonist. It's pretty much the end of Japan as a whole <laughs> that would say she's down for it. One, there is no money in the Kenjaku world. It's pretty much everyone's a curse spirit. Two, she still fought even after hearing that Gojo was sealed, even though she knew. I, I bet she knew that she was a very big underdog. Like, not even against Kenjaku, even against Ghetto. Um, three, I feel like her retreat was a great tactical decision rather than get her ass kicked and killed. And then, like you mentioned, Ui Ui right now is helping the gang um, cross between different borders or yeah, cross between different colonies easily. I really don't see a world where Mei Mei betrays the protagonists. But what about not in this arc and in a future arc? I don't see it from a character point of view. I don't see it from a narrative point of view either, given how strong Kenjaku plus Sukuna plus Arauma is. I don't see what Mei Mei adds to that. I see. So you just feel like it won't really be too relevant. Yeah, I think it's a lot more like like she ends up dying just along the way to hype up the stakes even more. I think she'll do a lot for money, but this is like way too much. I mean, yeah, I agree that she kind of left uh, in a very tactical manner for the Shibuya games, but we also know that Kenjaku is pulling strings with, like, the Chinese government, right? Mm -hmm. So, obviously, a lot of money to be made, like, with that alliance and just, like, internationally. um, And I feel like... I feel like in your your kind of, like... uh, uh, what you want to call explanation of her wall. Like you're not taking into account how brutal she can get for money. Um, and I think she can, I think she can betray uh, the gang given, given like how dire the consequence or given how dire the situation, excuse me, excuse me, can, uh, can become like, she, I think she could just give up on Japan. Like, Wait, I think it's okay. I think she could give up on Japan and leave, but not actively work against Japan. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm confused why people think she would do that for money. Like, the what's the worst thing she's done for money? Just nothing. Like, she hasn't done anything bad for money. Um, yeah, that's true. Like, we haven't seen her actively do anything for the antagonist, like, anything other than the like, uh, protagonist. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, well, like... She's down to right, get bribed right. to like do some small tasks, but they're not right. actively hurting Japan. Right, right. But like, that's all her character talks about, really. Like, once they have free time, like she's just a cool, sexy lady that talks about how much she wants to be paid. You know, like, I just feel like it's too, too much on the forefront of how she's a mercenary, and like, if she doesn't actually like act on her only caring about money like i just feel like it's it's a wasted uh like personality like a huge personality trait really i think people are overemphasizing it her actions show a lot differently fighting even after gojo was sealed coming back to japan even after knowing how fucked up everything was 
Well, she's not in Japan, or we don't know if she's in Japan, though, right? I, I think the fact that Uiui's in Japan is a pretty good sign that she's trying to help the gang right now, given the relationship mm, but between we, the two. But I think the relationship between the two is exactly why she could just be, like, using her brother. We know that, like, relationships, like, kind of... Wait, so you're saying, weird, like, right? she, like, she's tricking her brother as well? Or, like, it, it could just be, like, this brother is kind of, like getting off on the fact that he's in danger and shit you know like like, like when they uh, were fighting the special grade curse in uh three year games so mm-hmm. yeah i just feel like it's pretty uh pretty in line with her character but well it sounds like you disagree i completely disagree completely disagree i think still, still- mm-hmm. I think this probably has like maybe a 10 to 15% chance of happening if I had to give it a numerical value. I'm defending my girl Mei Mei right now. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so given that, Saw, what do you think um, the, 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 the 30 is? Yeah, I think my 30% guess was Kenjaku uh, Kenjaku's goal is to turn everybody into cursed mooms. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think we've learned a little bit about what his plan is already, and cursed mooms weren't necessarily like very explicitly part of that, even though we've very explicitly already learned about cursed mooms. Um, I just couldn't really think of any strong reasons backing that claim that he would do this, but I do know he's pretty involved with cursed mooms which is why I didn't give it like a super low score or anything like that. But, but yeah, I just don't see what the purpose is exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also um, put that as uh, my 30. Um, I think we're starting to get foreshadowing with Naoya becoming a person, even though we don't know whether Kenjaku was involved in that uh, directly. He has a history as, um, Kamonori Toshi as uh, creating a bunch of creating a bunch of curse wombs um, like the Blood Brothers um, and I think it aligns with his perspective of like having this like new uh, age of curses and sorcerers if everybody just becomes a curse womb um, and I actually have one additional kind of like add on to this is like I remember a while back like Paul was um, describing like you know, the calling games ending with like Sukuna being dropped, kind of the equivalent of a, like atomic bomb. But like, do you guys think Sukuna's curse technique of just like knives could turn people into curse wombs? Like, does, do you think that counts as, I mean, it says it's a curse technique, but I feel like it, it's almost equivalent to just being like cut up by knives, you know? But, but how would that turn them into people, yeah. Unless it was augmented well, by something? If it's just like counts as quote unquote physical damage, as opposed to like a curse. So you're oh, saying... you're saying no because it's using jujutsu. Yeah, yeah. I'm still not sure exactly how like the mechanics works because I think it's only in the most recent Noya chapter, right? How that was explained. Like you need to kill a sorcerer with a curse technique in order to make them, or in order to prevent them from becoming a curse yeah. room. Yeah, my take on it is if it has like cursed energy in the killing blow, it counts. So cursed techniques, weapons that have been imbued with cursed energy, 
But Nayo, yeah, you know, she he got stabbed by a kitchen knife from Maki's mom. Mm. So that's like explicitly very clear. A normal object held by a normal woman. Also, yeah. you know, another sign that Maki's gonna die, you know, she just fucking slashed her mom's throat, even though her mom <laughs> can defend herself. True, true. I could also see Sukuna doing something fucked up like like getting everyone to near death state in his domain expansion and then having the finishing blow be delivered manually or some shit. Anyways, um, yeah, I guess that's probably that's probably a lot less likely, but um, I put, yeah, I put him as 30 just given um, how much we're seeing curse wounds recently. What do you think, Saad? Any thoughts? Uh, uh, on on the Christmas, yeah, no, uh, not nothing else to add really. That the the Sukuna point you brought up is pretty interesting, but I, I'm also like wondering what his motivation for turning people in the curse rooms would be as well. Like creating some minions somehow. I, I, I'm not really sure. King of the curses, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Not sure what is uh in time would be unless it's like you know megumi can control curse films indirectly somehow mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and so trend like controls megumi somehow i have no idea uh, cool um so yeah let's go on to our 10 percent looks like we're all aligned on kenjaku finding a new host in okotsu utah um i kind of had this as a pretty low diff but like potential moonshot just because We've seen a lot of parallels with, um, obviously, like the zero ch- uh, zero uh, comic of them fighting off um, when uh, Kenjaku was still ghetto. Um, so uh, there's that, and then there's also the fact that Kenjaku slash uh, I don't know if Kenjaku has been, but like ghetto has been like trying to absorb Rika for the longest time. So I could see some kind of like hybrid takeover where like. He gets rid of like uh sorry, Kenjaku gets rid of like all the annoying parts about Rika, um, but like leaves all the cursed energy in Okotsu and then like takes him over. Um Okotsu is also like a pretty soft ass character, so I could see him doing like some self-sacrifice shit uh with Kenjaku or like some kind of contract with Kenjaku um in order for him to be taken over. Um let me think. And also, yeah, Okotsu like ability to just kind of copy any kind of uh, curse technique, I think, is pretty appealing to um, to Kenjaku. I mean, the reason he took over uh, Ghetto was his ability to um, uh, like swallow and summon uh, curses on, upon will. So it kind of fits into like the very like diverse slash OP uh, sorcerer takeover um, motive. Yeah, what do you guys think? I just don't see it happening at all. Um, from a narrative point of view, it would make no sense, in my opinion. Like it would, we would lose one of our primary protagonists, and pretty much our heaviest hitter at this point. It'd be like almost GG. Um, two, I haven't seen any evidence that it's going to happen in the story as well. So. But I think there's more than zero percent chance. It would be like just so out there. Yeah. What was your number wise? 
like two. Yeah, I agree. I think mainly, um, I just don't see it. I just don't really see how it would fit into the storyline. Um, that, that's just the main thing. I just never, never really thought about it as a possibility. Gotcha. I just don't see uh, Yuda's character going that much farther slash being developed much more beyond like his Maki interactions and him so- kind of serving as a, like a fall would be pretty good character growth. I guess it goes both ways. If Maki dies, good character growth for uh, Yuda uh, as well. But yeah, I wouldn't put it at 10 either. I put it, I put it at five. I would put it at two. Well, what would you put it at? Uh... Yeah, somewhere between like five and 10. Uh, I, I feel like higher percent chance of Yuta dying than that in terms of like his character arc being complete. Like if it feels like yeah. there's no room for him to grow more, then I could just see him like getting killed more so than this. Gotcha. Tangentially, like, do you guys think Kenjaku is going to take over anyone else during this? Personally, no. Uh, during the manga? I think it would just add a complication to the story that's not needed right now. His body suits him fine. It's pretty strong. And there's like the symbolic ghetto versus um, everybody type situation. Same, yeah. I don't see any direct takeover. Like maybe I could see something towards the end of the confrontation as like a you know a last ditch. They think they beat him, but he like body swaps or something like that. There's some tension or, or like basically something they have to do as a result of that. Um, but otherwise, I don't see like a swap before that. Gotcha, gotcha. Oh, I actually see a swap being like pretty likely because we've seen ghettos like potty starting to physically reject hmm. we don't know if that's gotten worse or better but i could see Yusuke kenjaku like trying to find a new host um you know as it starts happening and trying to find a new vessel um and that's kind of how it came up on this prediction of hmm. you know he'll, he'll kind of go to yuda as like the next best thing Hmm. Yeah, right. it would uh, yeah. be interesting. Let's let's go over which prediction we thought was the most off percentage wise. So let's get like a quick thirty seconds, and then Sai, if you want to go first. Yeah, just uh, specifically for Kenta's, or just in general? No, just in general. So it could be mine, could be yours. If you're having some second thoughts, it could be <laughs> Kenta's. Okay, let me think real quick okay honestly i think and this is i would say honestly the may betrays the gang i kind of got convinced by your argument and i'm regretting putting myself that high on it as well now (laughs) i feel like that the main thing being her relative insignificance because i don't think it would happen in this arc and in future arcs it feels like the stakes will raise even further and yeah, I just don't see why necessarily she would do that at that point. So based on, I think that's that was the biggest diff and why I put in what Kenta had at 50 as well, right? So What about you, uh, Kenta? Uh, just looking at... Yeah, I think just looking at the numbers-wise, like, 
I think the biggest diff was between Sauce Prediction and Jacqueline and Tengen working together. Looks like I found it a lot more uh, likely that they're somewhat aligned. I think uh, I think you guys might be underestimating how, uh, or I might be overestimating relatively how Tengen is kind of like this, not really like a humanly moral character anymore. Um, and we'll do whatever like the nature of the cursed world uh, necessitates him to do kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I think that was the biggest tip. Not that, yeah, nothing crazy off by you all. Hmm. I think it, it's either Maymay betrays the game, which I've already vehemently defended, or maybe Megumi turns evil. I don't think there's that high likelihood of him turning evil. Uh, that's reasonable too. That's a pretty main character and a 50% chance attribution. Yeah. Right, I think that's high. <laughs> I'm like for any shonen, a 50% chance of like the secondary protagonist turning evil is just insanely high. Like that's essentially Sasuke, and we haven't seen any evidence of it. Yeah, I don't know about evil, but I think him turning like uh like into an uh what's gonna call it counter to protagonist to use it pretty high yeah yeah I, I mean i could see that like you're right like he has his own thing that he thinks is right and he, he wants to fight for that all right you guys want to dash right into one piece and just knock it out let's do it all right I'll go first. My five theories. Shanks and Luffy will have a baby back fight. Dragon slash the Revolutionary Army has control of Uranus. Fishman Island ends up being on the surface by the end of the series. Eam is as old or older than the Void Century. And finally, Shanks is Rock's son. <laughs> so... Um. Yeah, so I'll just start us off. What's the cool. 90%? Yeah, uh, I'll kick it off. I think the 90% is Fishman Island ends up on the surface by end of series. I think, first of all, it's just been alluded to way too much with like Otohime's uh, campaigning. And then I think it will be a good way to tie in the purpose of Noah's arc as well. Um, I think it's it feels just pretty laid out at this point. What, what do you think, Kenta? I see you also have that as 90. Yeah, 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 definitely. I definitely agree. I think um, a lot of Joy Boy references with like the arc. And I think it's even higher chance that the arc is going to be restored. Uh, and yeah, too much of Fisherman's Island was spent on this idea of um, the fish people coming to the coming to the surface and i think by the end of series you know like we're talking about like all blue so like significant um like like earth such land reformations happening and this could easily just be a part of that yeah so let me go into why i think it has a 90 percent chance of happening besides all the foreshadowing that you guys mentioned one is the current geographical location of it underneath uh mary joa and how it's sort of a symbolism of the oppression. I think definitely by the end of the series, Fishman Island, 
fishmen in general will have equal representation to with the rest of the, um, I guess, other races, sort of like reducing the amount of racism and oppression. So that will be a huge symbol of it. At the same time, bringing down Marijoa from its current like high elevated place where it's essentially seen as heaven. Wait, so quick and question two, before you move to your next one. So you think it'll replace Marijoa's location physically? No, I think, okay, so this is more into like what One Piece actually is, but I think that whole area oh. will um, essentially, the red line will be destroyed. So Marijoa right, will sure, fall sure, sure. and Fishman Island will elevate. It'll, oh, you know, right. connect all the seas classically. Yep, yep, all blue, baby. Yeah. And then two, Fishman Shirley, uh, Madam Shirley predicted that Luffy would destroy Fishman Island. And everyone thought it might have to do something with Big Mom or, you know, Hody. But I do think, like, Fishman Island will be destroyed, so to speak, uh, from Luffy elevating it and, like, changing it a bit. Mm, like symbolic elevation, like Fishman Island as we know it. Yeah, yeah, it'll get destroyed. But, okay, real quick on that point. So, Madam Shirley's predictions, like, do we know what format she gets them in? Like, does, does she get a vision of Luffy, like, physically destroying Fishman Island? Or is it more like an image, or do we just not know? No, it's more like she gets possessed by a spirit and says some shit. Okay, has okay. Wrong, got it, got it, got it. Okay, yeah. then, then I can see that for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, it seems like we're all on. All right, we're going to continue the line here. What do you guys think is a 70% chance? Likelihood. Um, I think it's Eam, the one you had on Eam being as old or older than the Void Century. And I think a couple of hints towards that, like one, he's pretty hidden in the world government uh, even it seems like most people don't know him about about him since, except for the five elders so i could see that uh i could see like him being you know a figure behind the scenes um who's been pulling strings and isn't necessarily on the forefront in order to preserve himself and i think too i was reading this theory actually recently in that you know how there's a swords in front of the throne and they're supposed to be like the 20 original kings. Mm-hmm. And there was one theory where there was only like 18 swords in the panel where it showed. One subtracted because the Nefertari family didn't join. And another one being the sword that Eam was using to like stab those images. So there's like a the theory of him being one of the original 20. And then we already know there's immortalities possible in the series. And I feel like it was brought up for a reason, right? Like, there's got to be some narrative significance to it, especially now that Doflamingo wasn't able to achieve it. So I think it'll show up again, the Ope Ope no Mi's power. And that'll be Eam. I like that theory about um, the sword um, indicating that he's one of the, or is one of the first uh, kings. Um, I think that makes a lot of narrative sense. I also put it. S70, uh, just for the reason that it's a big baddie. The big baddie is probably Joy Boy, big baddie. Um, and the fact that it has knowledge of Joy Boy while still trying to be opposed to, to the will, um, kind of find it hard to believe that, uh, you know, this opposing force is like passed down, like the D, the will of D is, just kind of like out of necessity, out of duality, I put it as pretty high chance it's just the, the same person the same guy yep i think you guys covered it pretty well for all the reasons you guys have said 
just from the current structure, it makes sense how he's in control, knows so much, but no one else knows him besides the Grosse. And then also the hints, especially with the OP, OP fruit, that immortality is possible. I think this even has a higher percent chance than 70. I think so too, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I put it, yeah, put it pretty close to 90, with the Fisherman Islands being like pretty close to 100. I see. All right. What's that? What's the 50? It's like we're aligned again on Dragon and Revolutionaries. Uh, have Uranus. Um, I think for narratively, I think the Revolutionary Army being are missing too, like so much action for so long uh, of the series means that they probably do have some kind of ace up to sleeve, um, even if you know Sabo wasn't in the picture yet. Uh, so just yeah, just from the fact that they're such a reckoning force and the world government has so much trouble uh, keeping up with them, I don't think it's just a matter of dragon. Uh, more like the army's individual strengths. I think they have some strategic makes um, up their sleep, which is you know, you know access to Uranus or like some kind of leverage uh, regarding Uranus. Yeah, agreed. That that was my fifty percent guess. As Kata mentioned, we were aligned. Um, I've always been a fan of the theory of like Dragon himself wields Uranus, and, and that like links to his tattoos in some way. And yeah, I think it's just first of all we we don't. We've, there's been no talk of Uranus at all through the series. And then as a result, I think it would make sense for a party that's been pretty shrouded in mystery throughout the series as well to have it. Um, like no one's even mentioned it, no pirates, no, none of the government or anything like that. And it would just add some more power behind the revolutionaries because they do feel quote unquote weaker than the rest of the main forces, right? Like there's the four, there's the Yonko, which a bunch of pirates were four pirates who are super strong and then their entire fleets. And then obviously there's the world government. And if the revolutionaries are supposed to be a power that's somewhat stacks up against that, I think it would make sense for them to have a physical power that can match up with other folks. Because ultimately it is a shonen, right? And the political power alone, I think, needs to be complemented by something. Yeah, no, I agree. This was my 50% chance of happening. Um, I think it would fit the narrative sense right now, given how we have zero idea what Uranus is up to. And I don't think Oda would just shoehorn in like another major power with this uh, ancient weapon to definitely think the revolutionaries have a little more to them than just ideology, given how scared the world's government currently is. All right, so what do you guys think is a 30% chance? We got our first divergence here. So why don't you go first and give your thoughts? Yeah, uh, so I have my, I sort of picked this one on process of elimination with the other one that's left. And I had Shanks as Rox's son here. Um, honestly, I never really, I think it's actually less than 30, but I, I never really thought about this theory in general. So I'd be curious to hear your thoughts behind it or, or Kenta's as well. But it would be interesting. Like I know Shanks has some interesting ties. Like he showed up, talked to the five elders and rocks. I mean, he's a will of D and he's been kind of foreshadowed to have some significance, right? Like maybe Blackbeard carries his will or something like that. Um, 
so what I mean to say is he's a significant character in some ways. So it'd be interesting to have Shanks by birthright have some significance as well. But I don't know. I just, just never really thought about this before. So I put it low percentage. What about you, Kenta? Yeah, same uh, process of elimination for me. Uh, wait, so you said he, Shanks is Will of D. I don't think he's Will of D, is he? Sorry, I, I meant Rocks, Rocks is Will of D. Oh, so like right, he was right, significant. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I've also never heard of the Shanks and Rock Sun theory, so just hear the beats on that. Um, uh, the reason I chose uh, Shanks and Luffy having a baby backfight as 30 uh, is I don't really see Shanks and Luffy's crew like having a pretty like all out like fight fight, uh, especially after <laughs> um, the fight with Blackbeard slash world government that they're going to have. And, you know, I think, like, reading this prediction, like, Walt's prediction, like, it makes a lot of sense for why there were so many chapters spent on a baby back fight. I think it would be pretty fun if, you know, like, a chapter or two was spent on it, and then, like, Shanks and Luffy were re reunited somehow um, and, like, continue their journey. Um, it would be, like, a pseudo-death, you know, for one of the crews. Um, so I think that would be pretty touching. Um, and, yeah, I think it's, like, a friendly way to have them, quote-unquote, fight. So that's why I put it as 30. Yeah, so my actual 30% is Shanks is Roxanne. I feel like it's not that uncommon of a theory. So first of all, the dates match. Like the um, God Valley incident was 38 years ago and Shanks is 38. So the other two hints are one, according to Marco, who's been with Whitebeard for a long time, that Shanks and Buggy have been on Roger's crew forever. And then two, it's when Roger held Momonusuke, he said, it's been a long time since I held a baby. So that's why everyone went crazy. Like, oh, Shanks is Roxanne. Finally, from a narrative point of view, I think it would be pretty cool on the inherited will if Shanks was someone that like overcame that and um, sort of went on the opposite path of Rox. Like Rox. Uh, I was going to say like, you're implying that Rocks has inherited the will of like an anti-joy boy or something like that. And Shanks was supposed to be that, but chose not to go on that. Something like that. I'm going to say anti-joy boy, but it's more of, you know, how Blackbeard sort of seems I've inherited. Sure, sure. Right. Rox's will of like being the king, but Shanks more wants to be free, like the Roger-esque path. You know, who birth isn't everything. So I think people think either Blackbeard or Shanks is Rox's son, and I am more on Team Shanks. It, it is interesting that we've never gotten Shanks's last name at all. I'm trying to think if there's any other significant character where that's been the case. Aside from, like, the Admirals and stuff, of course, but I don't think that's super important. Wait, well, what was your second point? Why, why would it, why would, um, or, like, why would Shanks being the bait, like, why would uh, Roger holding on a skate equate to Shanks being a baby? So he said, it's been a long time since I last held a baby, right? Implying one, he's held a baby before. And two, it's probably pretty significant given Oda had uh, Roger explicitly say that. So mm -hmm. the theory is, you know, he defeated Zebek, found Shanks as a baby and raised him. Are you saying it's almost kind of like a parallel in some ways of him 
giving his kid to his rival and you're saying like he took on his rival's kid like rocks was supposed to be his biggest rival No, I think I think it just literally like it's been a long time since he held a baby because it's been like X amount of years since he held chicks. Interesting, but, but you I feel like yeah, interesting. Okay, no, so wait, well, I don't, I still don't get why that would be shakes like out of necessity. Oh, so there's yeah. there, there's no concrete evidence, but it just adds to the hint. One, he's held a baby before. Two, the baby <laughs> was significant. I don't know why that's so funny. Like him holding a baby is. <laughs> You gotta grasp at these straws, man. I'm gonna say I told it once it's true. But to go on to your point, Sad, actually, I do think the parallel could be interesting given how Roger gave his kid to his rival. Like he right. gave Ace to Garp and yeah. then Zebek giving Shanks to Roger. Okay. It, yeah, but it'll be, I mean, Shanks very shot in mystery still. So it'll be, I don't know, that, that's, that's fascinating. I've actually never thought about this theory before. Both those characters are pretty shot in mystery, actually. Rocks and yeah, yeah, and Shanks and Blackbeard have been known to have some history as well. So, so after hearing this, what what percent chance would you assign this? Uh, I still feel like it's pretty low, just because like I feel like ultimately it's it is Blackbeard that's inherited his will, and I'm not sure if it's super significant for Shanks to have like gone against that will inheritance right and we've already had a pretty major like a couple of pretty major like lineage reveals like ace and roger and all that it just feels like one we already don't know much about shanks two we don't know much about rocks and just like tying them might feel artificial at this point i don't know but i'd say like uh, somewhere between like 10 percent, something like that how are you kind of I think it's pretty, pretty damn low. I think it's under five. All right, I'm, it, I'm gonna say like, I called I it. Give it like I give it. <laughs> Do you actually think it's around thirty percent, Walt, or was this more of like a ranking thing for you? Yeah, dude, I think it's even higher than thirty percent. Sheesh. I'm very convinced. <laughs> the lack of last name, the also the rivalry with Blackbeard, given how um, Shanks is actually his kid, but Blackbeard has inherited his will. Hmm. Like, I definitely think the date, the fact that both Shanks and Blackbeard are the same age, that correspond to the date of the Oh, incident. they're both the same age? Yeah, they're both 38. Oh, shit, I didn't know that. Like, the other possibility is Blackbeard is Zebek's son, but I think that's less likely, personally. Yeah, I think that would be too on the nose. I agree, um, yeah, that is a little too on the nose. I agree with that. I mean, Shanks has been a beast. Since he was in Roger's as a kid, right? I think it was like fighting Marines, world government level Marines at least. Yeah. Um, since he was a kid, okay, so. wait. Also, one more point I want to add to this theory. When Whitebeard sees Shanks, he says something along the lines like, you know, the, the wound I got from that guy H's when I look at your face. And everyone thinks he's talking about Blackbeard because of Shanks' scars that Shanks got from Blackbeard. But I also think it's possible that he got wounds uh, against rocks somehow, and he sees like the facial similarities. Mm, that that's the best point I've heard so far, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> because I remember reading that again, and I'm like, wait, it couldn't have been Blackbeard. So I was wondering who that was. I was thinking it could be Roger, though, right? 
but yeah, I, I it, it's a little, but at the same time it's like i don't, I don't know. i feel like i don't think um Whitebeer would say that because him and Roger had like a solid relationship. I was gonna say they're kind of like boys in yeah. some ways. Yeah. Hmm. But then again, like, uh, wasn't Whitebeard on Rox's crew? Was like Rox like just so beating up his own crewmates? In Kaido's flashback, like he lost to Rox and then he joined. I think it's uh, similar for all like the strong pirates. Interesting. They were known to be a dysfunctional crew, anyways. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Wow. Well, damn. It, it, Shit, well, you heard it here, I guess. <laughs> I still think it would be too convoluted of like introducing another twist in the Shanks Black Beer rivalry if like one of them was. Yeah, I, I still think the fate thing would be a little too twisted. I wouldn't pass, I wouldn't put it past Oda though of setting that up since the first. Just like that. Yeah. Either Shanks or Black Beer, like 2% chance it's buggy at this rate. Because he's also the same age. He's also right. the exact same age as them. Yeah, That's yeah, they're, they're all the same generation. Okay, I didn't know that. So yeah, the ten percent chance I have is Shanks and Luffy have a debut back fight. Um, some things I've talked about this before, but one, Oda's already put so much time in the debut back fight. I don't think he would do it for literally zero reason. Two, um, Luffy has mentioned he wanted to defeat all four emperors. And I think he's going to do so. And like uh, Kenta mentioned, I highly doubt Shanks and Luffy's crew are just going to have like a serious fight. So that's like the 10% chance. The 90% chance is Shanks gets buffed by the time he meets Luffy. They actually don't fight because they're homies. Um, Oda just used the Davy back fight as some cool world, world building. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree. But same, like I had a 10% guess for you. And in my mind, I... I didn't really think it had to be reintroduced. I thought it was just like a fun arc for them to add in some like character building uh, and just like some comedy in between. And it, it just, I just don't really know where exactly it could fit into the narrative. Cause I feel like stuff's ramping up too much right now for them to just like randomly have a Davy back fight before mm-hmm. shit hits the fan. And then I feel like once shit has hit the fan, either Shanks is like, I don't know, sidelined or dead or, Luffy already has the one piece. I just couldn't see what the outcome of the debut back fight even would be. Like, is he going to jack Yasop or something? What's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, do you have any thoughts on that, Kenta? Probably just take his flag, you know. Um, I also... Oh, yeah. That's uh, yeah, I, I also put this as 30, but I think it's actually a lot lower. I think it's around 10%, um, around numerically. Um, I just thought the rocks one was a lot lower. Um, but yeah, just don't see them getting into like the real fight. Oh. Only way for them to have a matchup is yeah, something more fun. So like, do you think yeah. if they meet, it'll just be like a fist bump and they'll go their separate ways without anything? Like maybe some drinking? Maybe like a maybe like a conqueror's hockey clash. And then, you know, just for the hype. For the hype. I also feel like they're not gonna meet until like a high tension moment you know like maybe like shanks is fighting blackbeard or like in the midst of something and that and like they'll meet in that capacity sort of like a marine ford chaotic type thing so it won't be like a very like they'll have time to chill or anything like that type of moment well there's no more thoughts that 
Cool. So in no order, my predictions for one piece were Straw Hats are going to Elbaf next. The Yami Yami no Mi is a special fruit, sort of like the Nika fruit, and it's what let, lets Blackbeard steal powers. Luffy will die by end of series. Shanks will die by end of series. And Dragon either <clears throat> is Uranus or like directly wields its power. So to kick it off, Kenta, you want to go? Yeah, so thing. Well, me, me and Wall only have one, one thing in common. Yeah, that's gonna be uh, interesting. One thing in common. Yeah. Uh, well, my my ninety uh, percent was the yummy yummy no me being a special fruit, um, like Tanika. Um, I think we've seen we've seen precedent with uh, it being special in terms of stealing other people's uh. Devil fruit power, so I could see this being like related to him somehow. Um, it's also tied to like rocks, uh, rocks will, and kind of like theories that uh, the fruit inherits the will and like passes it down. I could see, I could see this being like a generational thing between Joy Boy um, and the holders of the Yami Yami no Mi. Um, I just feel like yeah, it's. Um, pretty established at this point. So I would put this at like, uh, put this higher than 90, about like 95 plus. Um, yep. Well, that's... Yeah, I think it's Shanks that's by the series. Like I'm a huge believer. Shanks is about to kick the bucket soon, raise the tension, make Blackbeard the true final villain, give some emotional connection to the Blackbeard versus Luffy incoming final fight. Yeah, I definitely don't see him surviving at all. Yeah, um, well, you, you you hit it on the head for my 90 at least. Uh, yeah, I think Shanks, like narratively, it would just be very significant for him to die at this point. Oda doesn't kill off people easily. So I think this could be like a very emotional moment for Luffy, similar to like Ace's death. And I feel like you need something of that level of tension if we already had something like that halfway through the series. Um, you know, like Luffy's mentor, basically like his older brother in some ways dying um yeah i think the writing is on the wall like he's the only one of the the old emperors left at this point and they've all i mean whitebeard literally died kaido and big mom i mean i, I don't know if they died or not but like i'm pretty sure they died i think effectively it's decommissioned if not dead yeah dying <laughs> magma explosion Wait, hold That's on. Also- Did you guys see the theory that like the fact that they got plummeted into like the volcano or inadvertently got to cause the walls to come down? Oh, like the the red line or something like that? No, no, like the, the oh, like the oh, Wano boundaries around Wano. But the yeah. but the walls haven't come down yet. I mean, we've just seen a few panels of like the earth cracking and shit, but. You think yeah, after Luffy weird. leaves, like Momo's just gonna see the walls collapse and have Pluton? I feel like their off-screen death, quote unquote, death has been a little underwhelming. So, and and like there's a like a side by side like panel comparison of like what the walls look like, and then like you know what the ge- what the uh, geography is versus like when Kaido and Mom, Big Mom, get sent down into like the mantle of the fucking volcano or whatever, like. It lines up pretty well in terms of, hmm. you know, where they have to be to take down the walls. So, anyway, interesting. I honestly think the volcano thing is just to let um, them die without our crew becoming like killers because they don't really yeah. kill people. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's very likely as well. But I wouldn't be surprised if, like, not immediately after the straw has left, but like you know, somewhere down the line, like where Pluto shouldn't be released, it gets released by Big Mom Kaido. I mean, I could definitely see some <clears throat> some future significance to that explosion. Like maybe it, it created some cracks in the walls, and like they open before it's intended to be open, or something like that. But yeah, no, I think they're dead, and I also think Shanks will die. To to round that out, um, okay. Moving on to the seventy percent guess. Uh, well, I'll let you lead this one. I mean, I had the Straw Hats are going to Elbath next. Hyped for a long time. I think there's going to be a few like mini arcs before the final battle, given the current timeline. Hmm. So I think this is the perfect opportunity for like a little mini arc, see what's going on in Elbath. Maybe get some more allies, have Usopp achieve one of his dreams, etc. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Kento? Yeah, my, my enemy was Shanks dying. Planet season, and I also think percentage-wise, it's also pretty pretty damn high, probably like 95 as well, but not as high as the Yami Yami Yami. Things significant. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean agreed on both of your points but the 70 percent directly at least was going to albaf next i think yeah to your point walter it's been hyped up for quite a while since probably like really close to the start of the series uh, the only things which give me pause from it being higher is there's a couple other islands teased i think there's actually explicitly three islands teased in the um one piece recaps the, ro the road to laugh tail and we pretty explicitly saw the three captain's kid luffy and law going to three different islands so it seems like they'll maybe go to those one of those three each and the other one still felt a bit significant like there was some with ties to like what the revolutionary army and i feel like it would be that still needs to happen at some point i think like luffy and crew interfacing with the revolutionaries so just however that sequencing works out i'm not 100 percent sure on so i do think they'll eventually go to Elbaf, and i do think it'll be next as well but that's what made me put it up at 70. I actually think them splitting up increases the chances of Elbath because one, we know it's not going to go to a huge event. Um, two, the other two don't have any real connection to Elbath, so it lets the Straw Hats have some like private time doing some wolf building. Right. Wait, does the Oz crew have a giant? No. Scary face. You're thinking Gene Bark? No. Dude, giants are huge, man. They're like, even White Bear's not a giant. <laughs> Yeah, but Eugene Bart's definitely bigger than uh or what's it or I forgot his name, but <clears throat> but I don't He's think like any bigger. giant would fit on that submarine of theirs. Yeah, yeah. Like think about how big um well yeah, like, I don't think he's I don't think he's full giant, but he's oh uh, maybe partial big. giant or something like that. Yeah. Uh, no. No, I mean it's 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 wait, what's his name again, Walt? Gene, Do you remember Gene Bart. Gene Bart. They, I wonder if they actually mentioned because he was in the slave auction, right? Yeah. So I wonder if at that point they actually mentioned what he was, like if they explicitly said he was a half giant because he was pretty big at the same time. Um, but I don't think he was. I don't know, man. Those people like Wiper that are just huge. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah it doesn't nice. stand the wiki. Yeah, giants are that. huge. Uh, one, one other point that gives me a slight bit of pause of them going to Elbaf right away as opposed to maybe like, you know, just later, like towards the end of the series is the whole uh Usopp being a brave warrior of the sea when he goes there yeah 
I don't know. Like, do you guys think he's there? Like, he's still kind of. I mean, he still very much is. He hasn't had a shiny moment. Island disease and stuff like that. (laughs) He hasn't had a shiny moment really since. Like he's had like good assists, but he hasn't had like uh, a wow. At the same time, like I don't know if that's going to change at this point either. Like that's a lot of character development to happen, and probably will be like two weeks time in the actual One Piece world. Cool. Well, yeah. Not... Is there foreshadowing of there being like a lodestone on Giant's Island? I just don't know what they'll do on the island mm. aside from like, you know, just like getting a nostalgia flash to. It, it's a good point. I, I thought that too. Like, it doesn't really feel like there's strong significance to the island at this point. But to Walter's point, like, there could still be some room for a little bit of fun before things start ramping up. And, and I have no idea where the, the last road one of what could be i think it used to be on fishman island right but i have no idea where it is though cool all right um in that case moving on what do y'all have for 50 percent uh walt want to hit me with it i mean i think it's the dragon is uranus plus directly with his powers i already explained because for me it's 50 percent too so it's like a pretty <laughs> natural fit <laughs> <laughs> In this thing, I don't know about the related to his tattoos part, but I do think <laughs> or that he is Uranus, but I definitely think the wheels of flowers part is correct. Like fair, fair. I don't see how he would be Uranus when he's Garp's kid, right? Like, come on, like he was a kid at one point. And then well, I mean so, so is Shirahoshi, right? Okay. <laughs> I feel like that gimmick has already been used once. Like it won't uh, be I see what you mean. Yeah. Uh, I think like when I view, if I view him being Uranus, it's like I view Luffy being the Nika fruit. You know what I mean? Like he, yeah. it's part of him. Oh, uh, yeah. I see. Yeah. I, I don't know about that or his tattoos, but I definitely think he's the power. Kenta? Yeah, my 50 was Elbaf, so you know, I don't know. I just don't know if they're going to go there next either. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, I would kind of a higher. Yeah. So... My 50 was actually the yami yami no mi bit with it being a special fruit sort of parallel to the Nika fruit. And a couple reasons for that. For me, uh, Kenta did touch on some of them. One, I think Blackbeard being a parallel to Luffy in some way and Blackbeard really being stuck on that fruit as being the fruit that he wanted. I feel like the powers it's demonstrated so far just based on the powers alone haven't been anything so special as to make me think like why this guy was so hell-bent on getting that fruit so that leads me to believe it must have something that we don't fully know about yet um it's still the reason i gave it a 50 percent though is blackbeard himself has been described as being as having a weird body so i could see the stealing powers bit being more related to his constitution or something like that. Um, you don't think the stealing powers bit is like that crazy or related to the fruit you're saying? No, no, I, I think it is, but I just don't, I'm not like a hundred percent confident just because like I know Blackbeard is known to be weird. And we've also seen that powers re-manifest in fruits nearby, right? So, like, with Whitebeard dying, it's possible, like, in that 
little shroud thing he put up he like pulled up with an apple or something right so for it to go into like the nearest fruit to him so the ceiling's power of it i'm not a hundred percent convinced that it will oh, be yummy. hold on i definitely don't think that's what lets blackbeard um has wait by steel do you mean to have multiple powers or that he can steal them because i don't think he even stole them probably just when the devil fruit user dies you know, he had a fruit and he just ate it. Casually. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, sorry. I mean, having the multiple powers. Okay, I completely disagree at that point because one, Marco already commented on how Blackbeard's body is like super unique, mm-hmm. and given their history, I think that's definitely foreshadowing mm-hmm. in Blackbeard's um, actual reasoning for multiple mm-hmm. devil fruits. Two, when they clashed with Shanks and Buggy, they definitely mentioned. Blackbeard, you know, never sleeping. And this was way before yep. he had the Yami Yami no Mi. So definitely think he has a special body that lets him have multiple powers. For sure. But but then I guess, like, why do you think the Yami Yami no Mi was so special for him? So one is, it's a pretty fucking strong fruit on its own. But my other theory is it negates other devil fruit powers, right? So if he fought against Luffy, he could negate the Nika Nika fruit. Like, if mm. this was also special, like the Nika Nika fruit, I feel like the world government would just be way too incompetent that there's like two of these devil fruits. <laughs> they fucked up both. And fair enough, fair enough. There, there's also been no commentary like the ones we had on the Nika Nika fruit, even though Blackbeard's powers have been public for a super long time. But I mean, the same could be said for Luffy, right? Like that commentary only came now, but he, he's his powers have been public for quite a while as well. So I think Black. One Blackbeard's an order of magnitude more public, given what mm. happened at Marineford, and that everyone's sure. on TV. Two, I legitimately think there is a Gomu Gomu Nomi, and they just fucked up the like swapping of the two. Oh, you think there actually is a Gomu Gomu Nomi? But they, didn't they explicitly say it's a fruit that has two names? I would have to reread the translation again, but I'm pretty sure they also said my interpretation of it was there's like two similar fruits and. It's not the Gomu Gomu no Mi, but the Nika Nika no Mi. Mm, possibly. You're right. I, don't, I have to reread the translation, too. Yeah, I don't, I don't really... I think I remember it being just... It's one fruit, two names, but I don't remember for sure it's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like just having a meta fruit like that, of, like, canceling out other devil fruits... I also don't remember whether... Uh, rocks was related to yami yami no mi in any way um, but Not also the fact that yeah, yeah. Um, oh, but also the fact that you know like the long time um, crew member of Whitebeard was so um, enamored with with it I just think it's super super likely yeah I did forget your points on like Blackbeard mentioned, being mentioned as having a special body mm-hmm. but I still think it's like it ties in well to the fact that like the yami yami no mi can cancel other fruits that it can also take in other fruits it kind of like matches well with like the physical characteristics of yami yami no mi of like sucking in shit out sucking in shit and like you know spitting it out so mm-hmm. I, I think it's yeah i also think it's a special fruit in a parallel to uh to nika cool in that case to move on to 30% prediction. Um, Walter, 
You want to start us off here? I, mean, I said the yummy, yummy, yummy. I think it's more likely than Luffy dying by end of series, <laughs> but I definitely don't think it is what lets Blackbeard uh, have multiple powers. Mm-hmm. Kanto? Gotcha, yeah. My 30 was Dragon uh, being Uranus. Um, I think, you know, the revolutionaries have Uranus is much higher. I think Dragon himself being an ancient weapon or, you know, directly wielding its powers a lot less likely. Um, but, you know, the newest chapter talks about a man with tattoos. So, um, you know, there are some people saying that it's, you know, rock somehow. I don't know how he's still hanging out at this age um but it's either rocks or more likely you know given the man with the tattoos or whatever the translation was um it's, uh, it's probably dragon so yeah so i put it as 30 yeah um that, that was my 30 the dragon directly wielding uranus and yeah i think as we discussed earlier i think it's a higher probability that just the revolutionaries in general have uranus but i think dragon it, it would just in some ways make some sense to me like one there's the tattoos which I mean, obviously it could just be aesthetics but i feel like that could be like a cool lore of inheriting uranus and like another one is the weather patterns which tend to appear when he's there and uranus being the, the god of the sky um kind of has some tie in there and then uh I don't know if I had any other points for that, actually. But yeah, I would just make him stronger um, in, in a unique way as well, which is pretty cool. Like, we've seen a lot of sick devil fruits at this point. We've seen hockey at pretty extreme levels. And, like, seeing someone wield an ancient weapon, like, a pretty significant character. Because it seems like Shira Hoshi's usage of the ancient weapon will be more... Uh, it won't be, like, a fighting style usage of it, right? As And then Pluton, it's more like a ship or, like, a machine so it would be cool to see someone like fighting with an ancient weapon but of course like it it is a bit far-fetched so i'd give it a 30. All right. i think the fact that in general revolutionary army uh has is a lot by dragon and like you know one of the symbols for the royal family is also a dragon some kind of connection there um, you know, with ancient weapon being like actually a link or some shit of uh, having some dragon symbolism. Yeah, uh, that was something I noticed with the most recent, one of the more recent chapters of them taking down uh, Major or like you know fighting Majora. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. If nothing else to add there, it seems you guys are both aligned on what my ten percent theory was in Luffy dying by the end of the series. Uh, care to share any thoughts on that? I mean, I think it's less than 10% chance of dying. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts why you think he's going to die. Yeah, Unless yeah. the end of the series is like a 50-year epilogue or something. We see <laughs> in the future. No, no, I don't think it'll be that. Like, I think it could happen in an epilogue, but I think if it happened in an epilogue, it could be one even sooner than that like even like a year or two after the series i'm like i don't I, I, not like a cop out like he's there's a scene of everyone in their old age but i think my main reasons obviously it's a 10 percent theory so it's low probability for me but i think one like roger died shortly after he achieved greatness so i think it could be like a good way to just like cap off 
Luffy's story and maybe like pass the torch right to the next generation. And two, like there's been a lot of, um, and it's a classic anime trope, so I don't read into it too much, but a lot of his stuff that he's done throughout the series has been at the cost of his lifespan, right? I'm starting off with, <laughs> I, I know it's like a very classic anime trope, which is why I don't put too much stock in it. But I mean, just to recount some of the bits, like the gear two is one, and then a lot of the, the poison treatment that he underwent. And he's known to just have placed a lot of strain on his body in general. So with those two things, I can kind of see it rounding out where, you know, he achieves one piece and maybe it's not a right away thing, but his life force at that point, like in some ways, thematically, his purpose has been fulfilled as Joy Boy, as well as his own goal. Um, So in many ways, I could see him just passing on from there. I'm still not buying it. <laughs> what about you, Kenta? Yeah, I'm almost agree with, with Sad. I actually also like think numerically this is around like 10%. Um, yeah, just beyond like, yeah, as a show man, I don't think the editors will ever allow this, but um, realistically, it's probably less than 10, but like, you know, taking all, taking that aspect out of it i think it, it would be like you know from a narrative sense it was it would be fine if he died um at the end because it's always like about being free right not about you know like surviving or thriving or like the treasure really in the end and i think it, like if the journey had him at his best that's you know, not really a big uh big deal if he dies cool in that case, Kenta, do you want to round us out with your One Piece predictions? Yeah. Um, my five predictions are, one, Sanji will lose his mind at some point uh, because of his Raider suit, and Zoro will fight slash stop him. Uh, my second theory is Mansherry uh, from, uh, what is it, Toto uh, clan, the little people, will use powers to, uh, her powers to restore Joy Boy's Ark on Fisherman's Island. Third theory is Carmel's uh, soul uh, is fused with Big Mom. Uh, fourth theory is Law will use Ope Ope's eternal life ability uh, to kill him. Im. Um, and the last theory is Bartholomew has already been to Laugh Tale. Um, so yeah, uh, let's start off with the 90 uh, Wall Gionelius off. Yeah, I mean, Manchuri will use her powers to restore Joy Boy's arc. I think one the ship Noah has been heavily foreshadowed. Even at the end, they mentioned the time was near for them to use Noah. Definitely they just could tie into everyone hopping on and just like leaving Fishman Fishman Island while it goes up in the sea somehow. Two, explicitly they mentioned Manchuria's ability to restore inanimate objects. And the fact that they happen to like sort of back-to-back arcs leads me to believe they're definitely very connected. Well, you saw I think mine's might be a little bit more of a hot take here, but I thought your 90 was Law will use the OPOP eternal life ability to kill Eam. And I don't know if it'll necessarily be as direct as like Law's the one directly fighting Eam, but I think he'll play a significant role in in combating Eam because I do think Eam is immortal in some way. And the fact that we've we've seen that the OPOP and Omi can mess around with immortality, I don't think he'll use it to 
make anyone immortal. I just can't really see that <clears throat> being part of the One Piece narrative. But I do think that ability will be used in some way. And I think stripping emo of his immortality seems like a pretty sick way to, to, to leave that. Yeah, so my 90% uh, was uh, Anseri uh, using her powers. Um, I think uh, given how much of a role she had um, in Dress Rosa, which was like not much, and considering her OP, um, OP character and the fact that I feel like in the prophecy they were, you know, mentioning something about like waiting for like a certain certain tribe to come. I might be misremembering that, uh, but yeah, uh, mostly mostly what we'll mention on the back to back arcs and it being high time for Joy Boy's revival. Um, I think it's and you know, Man Cherry's um, not just like healing powers but restoration powers. Um, I think Man Cherry along the way will either like awaken her powers um, and yeah. Um, uh, whether it's like you know very soon or at the very end when when like you know everything becomes all blue, I think uh, she will she will be the one to restore the arc. Well, I think it's less than ninety percent chance, but it's the highest chance. I just want to say that ninety seems really high for like a minor plot point that might be dropped. Oh, interesting. I think. I think it's actually a lot. I think it's higher than 90. I think it's oh, interesting. 85 points. Yeah. Because I feel like there's too much historical emphasis and there's too much like prophecy um, time spent during that arc on it. So, um, and yeah, the final flight revolved around it. Um, so I think it's, I, th I don't think it'll be dropped. Um, and <clears throat> I only see it being restored either through Frankie. Or Manchuri, and I don't think Frankie's gonna go back to Fisherman's Island like during the final showdown. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that segues well to my seventy percent guess for you, and that that was my seventy percent guess was the Manchuri restoring it. And I think the things that kind of give me pause are like, well, one, it is maybe not necessarily a super major thing left. Like it's not fully destroyed. I could see the Fisherman Island people restoring it somehow, or like you know, like you said, Frankie. I think Tom's apprentice is down there, too, or not apprentice, sorry, his brother's down there too. So I think the thing which gives me pause is just Manchuri specifically getting ferried over all the way to Fishman Island just to restore an arc when it seems like they could just patch it back in place, but, but it could happen. I mean, in the rivalry we saw, I forgot the name of the little guy, uh, sneak in, right, with... Uh um with uh bb and i think that could be relayed back to manchuri because she's also a princess so you know to help out another fellow princess um, mm -hmm. yeah, what, what was your uh 70. i mean carmel soul is fused with big mom i don't it's mostly process of elimination because even if we even if it's true i don't think we're spending any more time on big mom let's be real like Mother Carmel, love you, but we're never going to talk about you and Big Mom ever again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's that's the unfortunate truth. Um, my 70 was, yeah, also Carmel's soul being used with it. I think there was um, a lot of mystery in the background. Um, the fact that Big Mom, I mean, I think it's hinted that she ate everyone. Um, 
you know, during the time on her, on the second island, um, and Carmel kind of mysterious disappearing during that time, um, makes me, and like, considering the devil fruits, um, actual power, I think it's pretty likely that, um, she fused with, uh, Carmel and fused with, uh, Big Mom, and I think, I think this could be uh, brought back up again just to kind of like uh, note out some character, like some new characteristics of the devil fruit. But I think, yeah, I think it's a high chance that it will never be brought up again. Yeah, I mean, that, that was my 50 for you <laughs> like going to the next step in the yeah, sense that it, yeah, maybe like it could be. And I can see there's been some topics or sorry, there's been some conversation on devil fruits having will, or maybe like will being associated with devil fruits, like Joy Boy, for example. So yeah, maybe Carmel's in some way her will lives on through that fruit, through Big Mom. But but yeah, I think I totally agree with you guys that I, I wouldn't be surprised if we never see the words Mother Carmel again in the manga. So don't think we'll get much confirmation on this one. Yeah. How about you all? What do you think? What all right. 50? Yeah, my 50 is that Sanji will lose his mind and Zoro will stop him. I think, one, it was so out of nowhere that it was mentioned. So I, it's some pretty explicit foreshadowing, given that it hasn't happened this time. Two, it'd be cool to finally see the Sanji versus Zoro fight, given their rivalry throughout the whole uh, series. And this is a more organic way of it happening. Um, finally, I do see him fully embracing his heritage a little bit. Like the fact that Queen, you know, brought up all this information about Sanji and then Sanji was like, nah, fuck that, and defeated Queen in one chapter. I think there's more to Sanji's development than just that. So for all those reasons, I see this happening. Gotcha. So my 50 was uh, Law using his Ope Ope no Mi uh, to kill him. Um, and this is you know kind of something that uh a theory that I, that came up just because we know so little about Eam um and how how they kind of came to to power i think we all agree um through wall's prediction that's pretty high chance that Eam is like you know a lot older than the average human um so but you know very uh likely given what we know about the one pace world that me was used um uh, we also know that um, through Law's backstory that it's, you know, very high importance to the world government. Um, and I think, you know, being able to use eternal life to kind of like reverse it um, also makes sense um, just from a shonen perspective. Um, and right now, I, th I just think there's a th that there are no pieces aside from an ancient weapon um, in order to take down uh, Eam. So I think that's kind of why I put it as a 50-50. Maybe a, maybe a little lower if I had to put it numerically. Um, but yeah, I think it will be used um, to kill slash like uh, make Eam mortal. So like essentially a reverse operation yeah. on Eam. Yeah, I don't, I don't think the uh, eternal life ability goes one way. Interesting. Yeah. Same, I think so too. I also just like partially because I just don't see him using the eternal life like i don't know who he would cast that on except for as a means to revive a character and i feel like the only character significant enough to revive 
would be Luffy, and he's already kind of done a death thing recently. So, yeah. Well, how, how do you think uh, he's going to be taken down any other way? Dude, I think Dragon's about to just fuck up E1v1 TBH. <laughs> yes, sir. Like, Uranus. Yeah. Like, I've always viewed those. I, I guess one, I think there's already lower than a 50% chance of Law even interacting with E. Just one, you know, they're all going towards the um, Laugh Tail, and then E is all the way back in Marijoa. Two, I definitely think Dragon versus E is going to be the final fight. And I don't think eternal life is like you're unable to die. It's more of you can't die from old age. If you take physical right, damage, right. you're still getting buffed. Dude, it's For time sure. to see our boy Dragon in action, man. Dragon and Garp team up against team. Pretty badass. Yeah, I, I, I just think it, it could be Law, or like there's a good chance it could be Law because he doesn't like the most like flashiest fights, you know? And like, I feel like Aim. In dragon fight won't be like insanely flashy. I feel like it might be like, or it might be flashy on dragon's end, but it won't be super flashy on Eam's end. And then Locke could come in with like the sneak attack, you know, just mm-hmm. like from his uh, character perspective. At least that's how uh, it went down with like Doflamingo, at least like relative to their One Piece fights. Yeah. Oh, the, the, um, Saad, uh, do you want to uh, go ahead with your 30? Yeah, so my 30 is Sanji will lose his mind and, and Zoro will stop him. I think, yeah, to your guys' points, it, it was mentioned towards the end of Wano, but I think the things which give me pause are like where it would fit in narratively, like a conflict between the Straw Hats, like whether it would be a gag thing versus a like a legitimate thing and if it was a legitimate thing it feels like there's already a lot of actual bad guys to take down um and another thing is i think the commentary that happened during the this the wano i think it it just ties into his powers initially unlocking and i feel like we've already done a lot of the whole germa arc and sanji fighting against his um i guess his will for inherited from the Germa. And I think it got, it capped off pretty well with him destroying the raid suit. So I don't see narratively necessarily why they would reintroduce it, but it could be a good way to incite some co- inner conflict between the Straw Hats as a shit tuning the fan. Uh, yeah, so that, that was also my 30. Um, I actually think numerically it's a little higher than 30. Um, just for the mention, uh, for the reasons Walt mentioned and, and you as well saw it. Um, but yeah, I, I just think like the matchup has been like a long time coming. Um, I think Zoro really hasn't um, uh, gotten his matchup since like Sanji's quote unquote betrayal with Whole Cake Island. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of like, I think there's still a lot of uh, pent up. Uh, not a lot, but you know, I think there is pent up tension that can be resolved um, in a fight. Uh, and yeah, I think it's it's one good or it's one last uh, really good uh, internal conflict that the uh, that the crew could have um, before before uh, resolving things. Uh, yeah, and like a Sanji Zoro beef has always been a thing throughout the series. 
just from a fan perspective, it would be kind of cool to see them fight. Yep, yep, yep. Cool. Um, let's wrap things up by uh, going with our last pick, um, which is, again, the same as me. For 10%, Bartholomew has already been to Laughdale. And why don't you get your guys' thumbs? Where's the Where's the 10% coming from, man? <laughs> this is so out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Okay, right, also, let me explain. So, Oh, yeah, so I'll go ahead. No, no, okay. Before you go in, I, I totally read this. Wait, you're talking about Bartholomew Kuma, right? Yeah, Kuma, Kuma. Okay, <laughs> I read it as, like, Bart, the, the huge Straw Hats fan, you know? <laughs> you know and I was like, what the hell is going oh, on? No, I read it as that too first, and <laughs> I thought you were implying that Shanks, like, owned Laugh Tale, and, like, in his cover story, um, oh. or, like, he went to Laugh Tale unknowingly. Oh. And I'm like, wait a minute, is this possible <laughs> i thought maybe you were implying like a a massive gag of like bart helping out luffy somehow and like yo i got you this is actually where it is i found the poneglyph or something like that <laughs> hey, I but i think even I, with either I, case I kuma kuma yeah. definitely higher percentage chance but i think either case pretty low but sorry anyways they mean to interrupt go ahead yeah, so my my kind of theory around this is like, you know, we we know Kuma to be like an extremely pivotal character, you know, helping out the revolutionary army. He's part of the revolutionary army. You know, he made some like his self-sacrifices for the world government that we don't really know the reasons for, probably be revealed somewhat soon when um we get back to the revolutionary army after they retrieved um Kuma. Um he also used to be a former king, and I think my theory around this is he's one of the kings of um, the nations that had the OG kings um, of the world government. So he has some knowledge of like, you know, the uh, the void era and like what went down with him. And that's why he is working for uh, the Revolutionary Army. Uh, and then my biggest like 10%, the biggest part of this 10% for me is the fact that he can teleport anywhere. Um, so, you know, if he like happened to like, you know, be like along with like the Roger crew, at some point, which there's no evidence of, but, uh, and, and I don't know how his power really works, but if he just knows where the coordinates are, if he can just find himself there, um, it'd be super easy to just go to Laughdale, know what's going down, be like, okay, I need to set things up for Joy Boy. So then he becomes like this double or triple agent between the world government um, and the Revolutionary Army, all while trying to get the uh, Straw Hats slash Joy Boy uh, to where they need to go to. Yep, that's not gonna be. I don't know, man. Lafco, like literally, it's such an important island that only we only know one crew that's ever been there. For just Kuma to stroll in. Two, like he's probably busy with his revolutionary stuff, prioritizing that over finding Laughtail. Yeah, I'm I'm skeptical. Let me ask you. Actually, go ahead, Sasha. Mine's sort of separate. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say, like, the biggest thing for me is. I just don't even know how it would ever be presented that he went, you know, like, why would that show up? It's maybe in the capacity of the world government knowing where Laugh Tale is and they're like, oh, yeah, we found it out through Bart's powers or Bartholomew's powers. And we've been waiting for you here, like something like that. But it, Wait, it I don't think to... he would have no reason to tell the world government, though, right? If oh, right, right. But I think that's like the only way I that's why I have it low like that. That's like the only way I can think of it having some strong narrative significance at this point. Oh. 
Wait, how how else do you guys think he has so much knowledge slash motivation to help out? But it hasn't oh. been anything related to getting to Laugh Tale, though. Like, it's just been like, here's your ship. I'm protecting it. You know, I know some information about the world government because I'm a double agent. But I think, I think it's he like has... he's a revolutionary, right? And yeah. he, he knows Luffy's dragon son. I think that, that, in my mind, that's the motivation. Just because he's dragon son? I feel like the from how much self-sacrifice he's gone through, he has to know some, some history. Well, you're right. I think, <laughs> I... like, par- partially, like, he knows, you know, the will of D, like, all that kind of stuff like that. And he knows, like, he understands Luffy's significance there. I think that's kind of like betting on the new generation type thing. Oh, and I just feel like his actions were so, like, uh, perceptive and, like, so foreshadowing and so supportive of Straw Hats at, like, every every step. Um, and it seemed like too much of, like, a fate thing. And I feel like he could only get that much of an info dump at Laughdale. Um, really? I feel, like I feel like we're overrating his actions here. Because what did he do? He helped them on Thriller Bark, sort of, and then he saved them from Kizar, which seemed like a normal thing to do for your homie's son. And then he protected the, you know, the ship that they need to continue their journey. I don't think it's been any like, insider but, knowledge. But his, his saving on Mandrill Island was like the last action he did and like his last contracted action with the world government before he lost his sanity. I feel like for a former king and like, you know, someone that's already a double agent, he wouldn't just give up his like, you know, um, whatchamacallit, his free will just to save like his commander's son. I don't know. I'm I'm on team Occam's razor here. Like the easier solution is he knows how important Luffy is like to Dragon and he thinks he's gonna be important in the future, but not like Joy Boy slash Laugh Tail level. There's no evidence in my mind. Why why else would you think he went through such like self-sacrifice, like turning into a pacifist and all that. Like that kind of, I might be over, over, uh, over kind of like valuing that part, but that seemed like an insane self-sacrifice. But I think the, the pacifist a bit could be like tied to yeah. getting some information for the revolutionaries yeah. or some deal he had to cut on that front. I don't think that's tied to Luffy at all because the operation probably started way before Luffy entered the Grand Line. Mm, but I feel like he was operating with, I feel like that that would be a slight favor in my theory <laughs> because he's like operating for Joy Boy and he doesn't, he doesn't need to know who Luffy is. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. I still think, yeah. I don't think it's, yeah, numerically, I don't think it's that much lower than 10%, but. Wait, really? Like, Dude, this guy would yeah. be the GOAT agent working for the revolutionaries, <laughs> working for the government, working for Roger slash Joy Boy, like. <laughs> He'd be so connected working with everybody. Let me I think ask that, this. The other thing is... He's already, king, he's already been king, though, right? Like, I feel like it takes a lot for you to just give up that much. You know what I mean? I don't know. He probably just disagreed with the state of the world. I don't think he's, like, this super... He found out about Laugh Tale. Like, let me ask you this. If he was king, how would he have joined, you know, the Roger crew on their journey and found out about Laugh Tale? When he was busy. No, no, no. I don't. I don't think he necessarily was on Rogers. But I'm saying I think he could have been, but with his devil for his power, he could just he, he could have just maybe like flown knowing the coordinates. 
hop onto the island. And so, someone from Roger's crew told him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that crew is huge, right? Like, I'm sure, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure there's like a, sh- a buggy level, like, ship pirate that could just told him the coordinates. Because, you know, his devil fruit is like pretty insane if you think about it, just like flying over the ocean, just devil fruit's powers uh, weakens, right? If he can only go to places that he has been, which I don't remember that being the case, then yeah, that kind of kills his theory for me. Because yeah, I, I think his op- or his chance of being on Roger's crew is not zero, but it's pretty damn low. But, yeah, read the top part. Yeah. Well, with that, so, we got a. Uh, Kante, can you ask, ask you this? Do you think this is more likely than Shanks being Roth's son? Do I think it, what is? Who is? Uh, this theory. Kuma has been to Laugh Tales more likely than Shanks being Rock's son. Has been to Laugh Tale? Uh, well, not given the evidence you presented. Uh, no, I don't think it's. I don't think it's. Uh, as well. so, yeah, I don't think. I don't think I wouldn't put it at like five percent. I'd still put it around ten. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's really wrap up on what we what theories we thought were the most outlandish. Um, I'm I'm still going with the yami yami no me is what lets Blackbeard have his powers. I think that's a lot less than fifty percent. I'm dying on this hill. Oh, interesting. That's the same one, but I think it's too low. I think it should be a lot higher. Proud. <laughs> I I think for yeah, me it's like, um. I go ahead, uh, Kent. Actually, before we move on. Yeah, just real quick. I feel like a character slash like slash Blackbeard having innate powers. Uh, would disrupt like the hockey power system a little too much with the solo character being out of bounds. So yeah, that's mm. why I think it's probably Delta related or mostly Delta related. I think for me, it's probably the, the Bartholomew going to Laugh Tale. I just think, I don't know, Laugh Tale is too significant for something like that, for someone to have been there and like orchestrating it under the scenes like that. And Bartholomew, I think like specifically his connections don't feel strong enough to me when there's enough like evidence to lean towards it being for other reasons right like dragon sun and also like aligned agendas being a revolutionary so one one quick thing side do, do you think and well i guess because you guys both i was a lot lower than i did uh you don't think that there's more of our calling kuma uh really like specifically even if it's not related to last tale I think there is. Like, I think we'll learn, like, why he became a pacifista and, you know, now that he's back with the revolutionaries and all, like, we'll, we'll get some intel on that. But I don't think it'll be anything as crazy as, like, that part of the story. I, I feel like he's pretty much all tapped out, TBH. Um, he's a revolutionary. We'll probably learn more about why he became a pacifista, but probably something along the lines of getting more information for the revolutionaries. I definitely don't think he's connected to like Joy Boy or Roger in any meaningful way. Damn, I, I strongly disagree with that. I think I think there will be a lot more juice coming from Puma, especially given the recent rescue. I feel like I feel like the Revolutionary Army wouldn't do that just for. Actually, I'm not sure about that. This statement of they wouldn't do that for just like another, you know, uh, commander for just any other commander because Bartholomew. 
come on, just on those merits. So merits of being a uh, double agent was so valuable, but I think, yeah, the fact that he was rescued is gonna lead to some pretty crazy reveals. Time will tell, time will tell. Time will tell. All right, any thoughts? <clears throat> All right. If not, great episode. Let us know what you guys thought down below. And we'll be back in September. Are we doing Chainsaw Man? Um, yeah. I think we'll leave it up to the next host, aka Yukenta, if you want to keep this format or spice it up a bit. All right. Sounds good. I'll think All about right. it. Peace. See you guys.